Well, on this first Sunday of Christmas, tonight, or today, I'm going to um, do something not expositional, but rather more topical in nature, pondering with you today the question, what if there were no Christmas? What if there were no Christmas? I'm going to read from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, part of the Christmas story. But I won't be expositing or expounding this text, but it sets up this very important question that we need to consider today and live seeing the implications of it. The scripture reading today comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Hear the word of the Lord. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger. The word of the Lord May God add his blessing to it. Let's pray. Father, once again, as we ponder the mystery of the incarnation and the implications of what this world would be like and what, where we would be without him coming as our Emmanuel. Father, help us gain new perspective and have us eyes to see and ears to hear. We ask for this help in the matchless name of your Son, our Emmanuel, Jesus Christ. Amen. In Frank Capria's movie, It's a Wonderful Life, and by the way, if you haven't seen it, shame on you. No, no, no please do though. Please, no shame on you. Just please... See the movie. It's old. It's black and white. It will really look ancient, but it's a wonderful, wonderful story. But in this story of It's a Wonderful Life, George Bailey falls upon hard times. Those of you who know the story, you, you know that. As problems pile upon problems, George, who is Jimmy Stewart um, in real life, playing the character of George Bailey, he despairs of his life. He had, had been sure he was going to go big and far in this world and experience great things. And all he had seemingly had happened to him is just one failure, one setback after another. And finally, it's something terribly terrible had happened, and he despaired of his own life. Bedford Falls, his family, his community would be better off without him. George Bailey thought. But the storyline shifts when the angel, Clarence, 
intervenes. And he foiled George's suicide attempt that he was trying to make. And Clarence saved him from that. And then George, though, though saved from dying, he's now even further disappointed. He said, I wish I had never been born. Well, that gave old Clarence an idea. And he thought about it and he thought, okay, well, angels are pretty powerful beings. And in this story, poof, George didn't exist. Oh, to himself he did, but nobody else could see him. Didn't know he was there, didn't know he had ever been there. And so, with that inspiration, Clarence shows George exactly what that would look like if George Bailey had never been on this earth. Watch and see the graveyard clip. Are you sure this is Bailey Park? No, I'm not sure of anything anymore. All I know is this should be Bailey Park. But where are the houses? You weren't here to build them. Your brother, Harry Bailey, broke through the ice and was drowned at the age of nine. That's a lie. Harry Bailey went to war. He got the Congressional Medal of Honor. He saved the lives of every man on that transport. Every man on that transport died. Harry wasn't there to save them because you weren't there to save Harry. You see, George... You really had a wonderful life. Don't you see what a mistake it would be to throw it away? Clarence. Yes, George? Where's Mary? Oh, well, I, I, I can't... Uh... I don't know how you know these things, but tell me, where is she? I'm if not... you know where she is, tell me where my wife is. I'm not supposed to tell. Please, Clarence, tell me where she is. You're not going to like it, George. Where is she? She's an old maid. She never married. Where's Mary? Where is she? She's, she's just about to close up the library. Oh, there must be some easier way for me to get my wings. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> now you see, the point is, the impact of George Bailey's life in this story, what one life, the difference that it made. And as hard and as as difficult as George Bailey's life was, it was indeed profound in its impact and its implication. And George, and us watching through his eyes, he sees something of what his life would have been like had he never been born. But see, that leads us to this question. What would it be like if Jesus Christ had never been born? Put another way, what if there were no Christmas? What would life, mine and yours, be like? What would the world be like without Christmas? That's the subject I want us to consider for a few moments this morning. Got two simple points this week also. Generally speaking, what would life be like? And specifically speaking, what would it be like? Let's think of that on that together now. 
To start with, in a general sense, if there were no Christmas, all of your favorite Christmas traditions would be gone. You wouldn't have them. You wouldn't know them. They would have no meaning to you because they wouldn't exist. Think about it. The beautiful carols, the music that was played here in this sanctuary today and on Christmas Eve, the things that you hear in the mall and on your uh, CDs and, and MP3s at home and on the TV, all of those beautiful music, all that beautiful music, the decorations, the trees, the gifts, on and on it goes. Just imagine none of my Christmas fudge. What would the world be like without that? You see, without a doubt, December 25th would be much, much less enjoyable if there were no Christmas, folks. It would be just another cold, dark day in a winter passing by like all the rest. To borrow another expression from the great C.S. Lewis in his Chronicles of Narnia, remember, he said, in Narnia, before Aslan came, it was always winter and never Christmas. That's what we'd be dealing with. However, as disappointing as all that may be, there's a far greater consequence for the world than there being no Christmas. Remember that Christmas isn't just a holiday. It is celebrates and marks the birth of the Son of God. Jesus Christ was born in a manger. You see, when we ask what the world would be like without Christmas, we're really asking what would the world be like without Jesus? That's the real question. That's being asked. How would our world be different today if Jesus had never come into this world as the incarnate one, taking our flesh? The incarnation, remember I told you last week, is the enfleshment of God. Literally, carne, Latin, meat. It, you could even be very specific and say it's the inmeatment of God. God wrapped in meat. That's how visceral the incarnation and real it is. But what if it had not come? What if Jesus had not come? How would that have changed and impacted this world? Our world would be so different if Christ had not come. Aside from all the previous mentioned holidays and traditions. Oh, it goes so much deeper than that. If Christ had never been born, there would be no Christians. You ever thought about that? We wouldn't be here to be salt and light in the world. For one thing, there would be also no churches. There would be churches, no shelters, no places of spiritual refuge and encouragement. Many in today's culture would consider that a good thing. Well, good. Finally, get rid of all those churches. But they haven't stopped to think about what they would really be missing and what the impact would be. They wouldn't be, they would reconsider saying such a thing if they knew the impact. Think about for how long 
with Christians. For along with Christians, there would be churches. They would be gone. No Christians, no churches. They might say, well, good. The world's better off. But guess what? All their legacy and all the things they have left and built and done for good would also not be here. Think of all the colleges, the hospitals, the shelters, the soup kitchens, the orphanages, the charities that were all founded by Christians. Throughout the world and since the coming of Christ, Christians have been noted for their hospitality, for their care of the poor, for their help to those in need. All of those things done in the name of Jesus Christ. You see, after the empire became Christian in the time of Constantine in the third, fourth century, there finally was another emperor that came behind him later. And though Constantine had turned the empire, Roman empire, to being specifically Christian, there was a pope, or not a pope, but an but a emperor named Julian. He came to be known as Julian the Apostate. And it was his mission on earth, as he saw it, to do everything he could to dismantle what Christianity had brought to the world. He wanted to return to paganism. Listen, the pagan emperor Julian who attempted to lead the Roman Empire back to paganism, was frustrated by the superior morality shown by Christians. He hated them, he didn't want them, but he couldn't deny what kind of benevolent people they were. And so, at one point, he admitted, quote, the impious Galileans, that's what he called Christians, the impious Galileans relieve both their own poor and ours. It is shameful that ours should be so destitute of assistance. That's from the epistles of Julian 49. In other words, he's saying, doggone it, we pagans, why can't our pagans be this and do this kind of good thing? The Christians are the ones doing it. Think about our war-torn, natural, disaster-ridden world. What it would be like without the Salvation Army and without world vision and without Samaritan's purse. And such Christian organizations, just to name a few. There are others that have shifted and, and lost their way in some degree, but their origin was Christian. Red Cross, United Way. Those are not where they should be now, but their origin was and with that intent. Also think about the world as it would be without Oxford and without Cambridge and without Yale and without Harvard. Do you know that if you go to Harvard today, you still see the Latin inscription, Veritas, on the campus. But what you don't see is what was really there when it was founded. Veritas in Christus. Truth 
in Jesus Christ. Not veritas, truth. Truth only begins with Jesus Christ. I fear if overnight all the educational history and charitable spirit were removed from the world, we would be virtually heading for a new dark age. And in some ways we are because we're trying to jettison this stuff left and right. Trying to get rid of every vestige. There are those that want to do everything they can to remove, to sponge Christianity. But how foolish they are. And the consequences will be, will be bleak. Listen to this quote by James Russell Lowell. Now, this, was, this is 100 years ago, roughly. Okay, So you say, well, we're not living there now. But listen to what Christianity had, was doing at that time when it was being embraced and was given water and sunlight to grow. Russell said this. He was a 19th century poet. I challenge any skeptic to find 10 square mile spot on this planet. In other words, go anywhere you want to go. Where they can live their lives in peace and safety and decency. Where womanhood is honored. Where infancy and old age are revered. Where there can, they can educate their children where the gospel of Jesus Christ has not gone first to prepare the way. He said, you won't find that kind of conditions in the world unless the gospel has been there first and brought it into being. If they find such a place, then I would encourage them to immigrate thither and there proclaim their unbelief. <laughs> he said, if you can find anybody like that, then, then man... Have them stand up and shout about their unbelief because you're not going to find it. That's how consequential, that's how monumental, that's how invasive the gospel of Jesus Christ has been in this world. And most people run around in this world today and they have no idea that what they are built, what's beneath them, holding them up. I say all the time, atheists borrow. They have to. They steal, beg, and borrow their ethics from Christianity. They cannot get there any. You can't get something from nothing. They have no basis to be ethical. So they have to borrow that, those notions from Christians. Our secular friends, modern and postmodern, should be careful what they wish for. They would love to see no God, no Christianity, no gospel, no Christians. Be careful what you wish for. Because you heard the expression, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Get rid of Christianity and you will get rid of a lot of other things that make this planet worth staying on. Specifically speaking, that's just general. That's just general things about the impact of Christ having come, of Christmas having come. But let's get more specific. If there were no Christmas, guess what? God would still be there. God would still be sovereign. He would still be on his throne. He would still be the eternally existent one, creator of heaven and earth. 
However, we would be on our own without him, groping in the dark. Houston, we have a problem, a serious problem. Let me tell you something that did happen. It's found in Genesis 3. And you know what it declares and where it leaves us? The bridge is out. The bridge between heaven and earth is no longer there. And there's no way to get there. There is no stairway to heaven. Sorry, Robert. There is no stairway to heaven that men build. God's stairway comes down from heaven to us in Jesus Christ. You and I, my friends, are sinners and we need Christmas. But Jesus did not come if Christmas did not come. We're still in our sins. That's where we are. That's where we're left. The bridge is out. We're still in our sins and we have no way to fix it ourselves. There is no way to get there from here without a Savior that was to come. Remember Matthew 1.21, you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. But if he didn't come, if there were no Christmas, no Jesus that had come for us to save us, we are hopelessly lost. If there were no Christmas, there, were, there was no daring raid into occupied enemy territory to rescue and restore us into a right relationship with the living God. We're alone, we're lost, and we cannot find our way home. Now, that's a pretty dark thought. And that's what would be the state of the world if there were no Christmas. This morning I've tried to imagine what it would be like if Christmas had never come, if Jesus had never been born. But you know what? I've got some really good news for you today. And for me, and for anyone who will believe and trust in Jesus Christ, because he has come. Christmas did come. Christ did come. Listen to these words of good news that God promised. Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And then in Galatians 4, 4 through 5, Paul says, But when the fullness of time had come, God did send his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive the adoption of sons. Because Jesus came, and when we believe in him, we 
become sons and daughters of God because of what he did to save us from our sins. He opens the door. He opens the stairway. You see, the life of George Bailey had an impact far unforeseen. But there was another life that had even a much greater impact. And that is the life of Jesus Christ. Listen to a, uh, one of the, when I first became a Christian, this is one of the first things I remember reading. And it just, it just struck me how profound. It's called One Solitary Life. And it's attributed to James Allen Francis. Not sure that's who wrote it, but it's attributed to it. It's been around a long time, but listen to it again. He was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in another village where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. Then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held office. He never had a family or owned a home. He didn't go to college. He never visited a big city. He never traveled to more than 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of the things that usually accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33 when the tide of public opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. And one of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. And he was nailed to a cross between two thieves. And while he was dying... His executioners gambled for his garments, the only property he had on earth. And when he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Twenty centuries, more than that now, have come and gone. And today, he is the central figure of the human race. All the armies that ever marched, all the navies that have ever sailed, all the parliaments that have ever sat, and all the kings that have ever reigned put together have not affected the life of man on this earth as much as that one solitary life. The life of the Son of God, Jesus, our Emmanuel. At the end of that movie, if you watched uh, A Wonderful Life, if you did, it has a wonderful ending. And George Bailey, renewed in his exuberance, realizing that his life had not been in vain and that there, there was something in control of it that was bringing good, he shouted out, in that gathering, Merry Christmas, Bedford Falls! And my friends, because Jesus Christ has come, I can declare to you, Merry Christmas, First Presbyterian Church. Oh, he has come. Amen? Father, thank you for sending your son. 
Lord, thank you. You'd still be God. You'd still be everything that you are had you not done so. But Lord, we, where would we be? Where would this world be? Father, without your son that you sent in love to us. Lord, help us once again sound the depths of the incarnation. Lord, it is beyond our comprehension. But Lord, we thank you that he has come. And that he's promised to come again. Father, we ask that he will continue to come in our hearts with his presence as Emmanuel through now and throughout this Christmas season. And Father, into the time that is to come. And we ask all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.